happy Monday. Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor, Bob Hyatt. Glad to see your face today. <laughs> Doug Moister. Yeah, we get to look at each other when we record these, but nobody else gets to see uh, our our handsome faces. So yes. that's unfortunate for them, but it, it good is. to see you as well. Yeah, man. So, you know, every it feels like almost every year we've had some really good opportunities to talk with a lot of different folks around uh, mental health uh, and pastors and, you know, just all that comes around. Um, yeah, just just the reality of being a pastor in today's landscape, in today's world. And, and we have uh, Dr. Jamie Ayton and Laura Howe on to talk about the mental, the church, church mental health summit that's coming up here soon. And so, yeah, I figured just to kind of intro this, Bob, like, you, you know, you've been in ministry for a long time and, and you're mostly nuts, but how do you stay, how do you stay healthy? Like what, what's like a practice that really has helped you stay healthy in the midst of like stressful seasons and stressful times? Well, first I, I, I do want to just say that, um, I think for pastors, this is particularly a relevant issue. Hmm. Uh, during the pandemic, there was a lot of talk about uh, caregivers, nurses, doctors, first responders, folks, and the stress that they were under. Um, I, I think that, and it, and that was great to highlight, but the thing that often goes unhighlighted is just the everyday mundane, like the stress of pastoral work and the the isolation of it. And the toll that can take on pastors' mental health. So I'm I'm excited just to talk about that a little bit today because I think it's one of those things that doesn't get talked about too often. Agreed. Um, for my for, um, practices for myself, that's a great question. And two things come to mind. The first is I noticed a while ago um, how important self talk is, and that if I woke up in the morning and I was tired and I continued to think throughout the morning, throughout the day, ah, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I would continue to feel tired. Hmm. Or if I didn't feel especially well, I don't feel well today. I don't feel well. I don't feel, I would continue to not feel well. But what I noticed was that if I could change that, that message, there was actually an impact like, no, I'm doing okay today. I'm doing all right. Not just in that kind of, when someone asks you, how are you doing? Oh, fine, fine. But I would tell myself, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, God's on the throne. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of stuff I can't control, but what I can control, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it under, under control today, and I'm doing all right. And I just found that that made a huge difference in the way that I felt about myself and the way that the rest of my, my day would go in terms of my thinking and my emotions. Mm. So I think that's one thing. Um, and I think the other thing is, I just kind of mentioned it in passing just now, but it's, it's letting go of outcomes. Just knowing that there's so much in life you can't control. Um, when I was, you know, when I was pastoring and I would do uh, pastoral counseling and I would sit with people, I think probably eight or nine times out of 10, whatever kind of little knot they were trying to untangle in their life, whatever issue they were bringing to me, um, I would ask the question internally in my mind, where in this situation is this person trying to control something that is outside of their control? And where are they failing to control what is inside their control? And like I say, eight, eight or nine times out of 10, the answer was found somewhere there, hmm. right? 
And so I think for me, mental health has come when I've tried to really put the right things in the right buckets. Like there's a lot of stuff that we just can't control in life. But there is there are some things that are under our control, and that's mostly ourselves. Yeah. And I think when we dwell on the stuff we can't control and fail to think about the stuff we can, it leads to weird places in our mind and we get depressed and we get angry. And, you know, so I think for me, just kind of maintaining that thing of like, I have to let go of outcomes in life. Um, I have to control what's under my control and let God take care of the rest. That seems to keep me on a pretty fairly even keel, I think. How about for you? You've you've uh, done a lot of work in spiritual formation, a spiritual director. How do you keep yourself on the uh, on the up and up and balanced? And yeah, yeah. Well, I, I honestly, the first thing is that I've worked on is just over the years, still working on it. I feel like it's the the journey of the rest of my life, but just defining what m- mentally healthy looks like. Right? Like, huh. I feel like we're very good to recognize what it what unhealth looks like, but to actually yeah. see, see what health looks like. So, so that's been helpful for me to just have a picture in my mind of like, Oh, okay, this is what, this is where I'm at. But I'd mm. say probably the most helpful thing is I, I, I tend to, to be an all or nothing kind of a person, mm. um, in, in a lot of regards. And so when things are good, everything's good. And when things are bad, everything's bad. And so I've just noticed that same sort of thing within pastoral ministry, you know, it's like, oh, it's, it's just really rough, right? Like it's, it's a tough season right now. It's like, well, so I've actually began, this is silly, a couple, probably during the pandemic is when it started, but it's carried over is, you know, I could say, oh, I I had, it was a rough day when in reality uh, I had one hard conversation. And so naming that, so like, you know, it was, it was, the day was okay, but I had this one conversation that really was Mm. difficult for me. And so I think instead of generalizing and saying it's yeah. a tough season, it's like, oh, there's a really hard conversation or it's like naming it and numbering it becomes really helpful. So instead of everything being crazy that's it's, great. and out of control, it's one or two things that are not in my control that are things that I just need to recognize are weighing heavy. Um, mm. And I think too, like just for me, super practically every morning, I have the same two questions that I've been answering now for gosh, probably the better part of three or four years. And it's just, how am I showing up today? Mm. Um, and, and, you know, what, what, you know, what, what do I desire most? And, and I'm not talking like chocolate chip cookies, things like that. Um, (laughs) but, but just that understanding of like, man, like what, what does my heart need today? You know, what, what's the thing that, that I Mm. recognize that, that I'm, you know, this desire that God put in me, even if it's an unhealthy desire, what's, what's behind that Lord. And so Mm. those two spaces, you know, those two very simple, practical things, you know, numbering and naming the hard things and not letting everything be hard. And then just having those two baseline questions for me in in the morning, um, they've just been super, super helpful. Um, yeah. Excellent. That's good stuff. Yeah, man. Well, we hope y'all enjoy uh, this conversation. Um, one of the things that's really great is uh, Monday Morning Pastor has had an opportunity to partner with um, the, the 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 Mental Health Summit uh, that uh, Jamie and Laura and others have put on for a few years. Uh, we hope that you take advantage of being part of the free event. Um, and if you want to be a part of the paid event, it's the same thing, but you have access to it for a long, long, long time. And so, yeah, we encourage you if you're a pastor, you have that time and that date available and you'll hear more about it during our conversation. We'd love to see your faces there. Mm-hmm.
Jamie, good to have you on 3Pete. Uh, super intense and exciting. And uh, thanks for bringing this amazing guest, Laura. Laura, thanks for reaching out. Um, glad to have the two of you on the show with us today. So welcome. Thanks so much. Excited to be here. Yeah. And just so you know, Doug, I'm, I want to go for five. I want that like Tom Hanks SNL yes. uh, type of uh, <laughs> yeah. gold. Yeah. Ring. The, uh, the smoking jacket yes. with the big gold five on it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, can we have a smoking jacket on a pastor's podcast? Well, um, is that okay? We can, they'll never see it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can, we can call it yeah. two different things. It can be like a smoking jacket or it this could is, be a, like, this is my, you know, this is my devotional jacket. jacket. This is my, ooh, there, my oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, maybe we get it like Spurgeon's face on it too, just to make it legit. <laughs> I think that could be good. Um, but yeah, so Jamie, we'll, we'll hop to you for a second, but Laura, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and yeah, who you are and, and what you do and, and some of the things that you're interested in. Yeah. Thank you so much. Excited to be here to tell you all about uh, different opportunities or resources. Uh, but a little bit about myself is that my background is a clinical mental health social worker and been doing that for a number of years. But in the past four years, I've been started an organization called Hope Made Strong, which is all about equipping uh, ministry leaders, pastors, and those who are serving their church, congregation, and community through care ministry and support them through various different ways through a podcast, courses, cohorts, and then also a fun event called the Church Mental Health Summit. Yeah, super cool. And we're going to talk a ton about the Church Mental Health Summit because I feel like that's so uh, connected to, well, first of all, to you guys, but even just to our heart at the Monday Morning Pastor. Um, so, you know, even in what you do, and Jamie, I know what you do too, that sounds like there's a lot of overlap in just your hearts and the way that you guys are thinking about equipping the church with crisis and with mental health and all these different things. So, you know, you mentioned just, I think one of those things that's really challenging for the church is that how do you do this stuff long-term, right? Like mm. it, it is a challenge. And I feel like the church is very under-equipped uh, in just understanding, like, how do you walk with someone who's going through a mental health crisis? And so what are some things that the two of you are learning right now in terms of just the church and mental health and where we are, if there's like a, you know, almost like a pin you could put on a map, like this is kind of the lay of the land at this point in time. Uh, so I'll jump in and share that what I've noticed or a trend that I'm seeing is that churches are becoming more aware that, that, well, the Sunday morning experience is absolutely foundational and incredible that there's a lot more potential or there's a lot more demand or or needs being requested of them beyond Sunday morning, that their congregation, that their community is almost relying on the church for, for many things, for, for their community needs, for being able to connect with other people um, and their well-being needs around their emotional health. Um, Churches are actually the the primary source or the go-to resource for many people when they're struggling. And so I think this awakening and, and recognizing that, oh, they, we have almost a responsibility or a... Um, 
there's needs being, or we're being asked to step into areas that we may not have, may not be equipped for or comfortable to be in. And so a lot of people are reaching out and looking for how can we care for our people? Well, how can we come alongside our congregation? How can we connect with our community and, and meet those well-being or emotional needs that they may have? Yeah, I was just going to say, just to kind of build off of what uh, Laura was saying, that you know, we're really in the, the midst of a mental health crisis right now. And there is more people needing help than there are helpers available. And so one of the things that we've been working toward with Spiritual First Aid is to equip uh, those in the church to be frontline spiritual emotional caregivers. Yeah. And Jamie, would you mind really quick, just, and again, I'm sorry, I'm just excited to be with you guys. Can you talk a little bit about Spiritual First Aid? We've, we've had the conversation before, but we have new audience members. And yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do as well. Yeah, so spiritual first aid, our goal is really to take the guesswork out of helping. That we've created an all-inclusive six-session course that you can complete online. And it really walks you through step-by-step how to help people. And it uses a model that we call BLESS CPR. So the BLESS stands for the five core needs. Our research shows that when they go unmet, cause distress. So that's biological, livelihood, emotional, social, and spiritual. So now you know where BLESS comes from. And then the CPR stands for the C is care with practical presence. The P is provide coping practices. And then the last step, the R out of less CPR is refer and resource. So we've been able to really narrow down through our research and identify these are the four core steps that you can take to help reduce the stress. So these small actions can make a big I'm, difference. I'm wondering, as you guys have talked with various pastors, I, you know, I know that the, the average church, at least here in America, is about 70 people. There's probably one full-time person, the pastor. I'm wondering, just as you've looked around this landscape and as you guys are putting together this this mental health church summit, like for that pastor, what are some of the things that they should, they can expect to be seeing come through the door these days in terms of places where people are in crisis? What what should they be prepared to handle? And I, I love that you use the word refer. How do they know when it's time <laughs> to get some some help for somebody that they can't provide to to refer them out? Some of the most common things that people are struggling with is their mental health, whether they use that language or a different term where, you know, their nerves are on edge or I'm burnt out or I'm really struggling with, you know, keeping it all on track. Lots of people use different language. People might not often say mental health, but that's what they're struggling with as well as addictions and relationships, whether in marriage or, you know, kid and parent. And, and so these addiction relationships and mental health have, are the primary things that I've seen or have I heard from churches. Um, and then finances is a third one or fourth one, I should say. And, um, and for churches, it can be a real struggle saying we're here to support someone's spiritual life. And when people are coming to a leader saying these really complex system based needs that are long term and come from a long history of 
struggle, it can be really overwhelming. And so we don't want people to go it alone. We don't want people to feel that overwhelmed, that burnout, the compassion fatigue, the struggle. And, and so we want to come alongside them, whether it's with spiritual first aid, with some incredible training or with us while creating systems and strategies on how to care. Um, we definitely don't want mm. people to feel alone in that struggle. And so how, when is it too much? Like, what's the tip off to a pastor that, okay, this is beyond, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to handle this. How how did they know? So I, I, I think a good rule of thumb is if you're asking the question, like, does this feel off? Should I refer? Um, I'm wondering if I'm kind of in over my head. Then the answer is probably yes. You probably should, you probably are, and you probably should refer. So you know, listen to that little voice yeah. inside yeah. that you know. There's actually been a lot of research that shows that even as we're kind of chewing on things mentally, that our body is taking in thousands of different data points that we're not even aware and processing. And that kind of gut feeling, that's where that comes from. You know, or the same way, like maybe you feel afraid, but you're not sure why. Or you know, as a parent, I remember one time one of my kids was sitting on a on a stool. And I said, stop sitting like that. They're like, I'm not going to fall, Dad. I'm like, stop, stop doing that. I'm like, why should I stop doing it? And then boom, kid falls off the table. Um, so I, I couldn't quite tell them in the moment what was wrong, but I knew something was off. My body took in that information. And the same thing's true when it comes to mental health and referral, that if you feel that sense that something's off, it's probably time to refer. Hmm. That's a that's a good rule of thumb. I, I like that. As As you guys have thought about this, and the kinds of things that are being handled are the kind of issues and challenges that you see uh, being addressed in church and pastors and what to refer and whatnot. What are some of the things that you would like to see churches be able to handle better in-house that they'd be better equipped to deal with as, as a community or a, a leader, as a, as a pastor or a leader? Yeah. I hope that question made sense. That, that took me a second to get there. You know, I, I think, yeah. I think one of the things that um, I'd like to see more from is just for those who are a part of the church to really live out being the church. Mm. That's what we need from one another. So we've done a number of studies, including a mass shooting in Oregon mm. after numerous different disasters, some other traumas. And one of the things that we found that tends to predict resilience is individuals who received positive spiritual support mm. from within their church, that those who received that care from others in their congregation tended to report less depression, less anxiety, and less PTSD symptoms over time. Now, you notice, though, that I said positive spiritual support, because not all spiritual support is positive. Like, I don't know about you all, but did any of you grow up in a church where you had a gossip chain? I mean, a prayer <laughs> chain? Um, right? Like, you know, sometimes if we could just be in the moment, be present, and be with others and provide practical assistance, that's going to provide a lot of care for people. And then know mm. when it's gone beyond that, and now we need to refer. Mm-hmm. I like to call that building a culture of care in your mm. church rather than mm. building a program of care. You know, when people go to the church, they always want to talk to the pastor. My cat <laughs> died or my auntie 
second removed is in the hospital. Can you pray for me? And, and the pastor only has a limited capacity of being able to meet with people, connect with people, solve problems. And so I, what I really encourage churches to do to shift from that concept of a program of care or a person who's responsible for caring to building a culture of care where people can be neighborly to care for one another. And, and sometimes it takes some education. Sometimes it takes some permissions and, and building that culture within your teams and, and within your programs and ministries. Yeah, I find I find that really helpful. That idea of creating a culture of care. Um, do either of you have stories that are close to your mind at the moment that kind of highlight a culture of care that that you're witnessing? I see it happen almost organically in a lot of seniors ministries when people um, have relationship and they have trust with one another and they're connecting that when there's a need, someone steps up and meets that need. They don't not the church isn't always the first person or I should say the office or the pastor isn't the always first person to know that they're caring for one another. Uh, I think this happens sometimes when uh, a church is, uh, has a long history of small groups, life groups, Bible studies. It depends what home groups. They are all called different things. I don't know. I can't keep up with the, what people call things. But these home groups where um, you know someone loses a job or has a baby and then a meal train is started or they, someone reaches out or drops off some groceries. These are the organic things that happen when people are in relationship with one another. And I think that's what people crave is that connection and that relationship to one another. And when you have that trust in that relationship, you're able to, you can support and reach out. That's very cool. As you guys have looked around the church and I know you're, you're talking about mental health, uh, kind of within the, the community and what the community can do. How would you assess the, the mental health state of leaders in general? How are, how are pastors doing? And uh, how would an individual pastor know that maybe it's time I, I need some help here? What might be some signs? That's, that's a great question. And you know, from a lot of the pastors that I hear from and in conversations with, that many are really struggling right now. They're, you know, they're coming through a really hard season of, of ministry that's been disrupted from the pandemic, and we're still seeing afterwaves of that, uh, and then political challenges that are happening more and more in the church that a lot of pastors are under a new type of uh, microscope and really feeling that pressure. And that now on top of all the other things you all do, now we're throwing mental health on top of it, right? So it just keeps getting more and more challenging. And so in terms of kind of knowing is, I think it's important to really kind of check in with ourselves. And I, I like to think of it a little bit like surfing. I don't think you're ever going to have a perfectly balanced life, right? Like I one time was listening to a radio show and they had all these experts. And after they got off, I went back and I did the math. So I, I am a researcher, right? So I actually did the math and added up how many hours in a day it would take to do all of the things these experts said I needed to do to be well. And it added up to more than 24 hours, right? So that's one of the reasons why we get stressed. So I like to think- No sleep for yeah, you. No sleep. So, I, so, I, so how are we going to fit that into our life? Well, I like to think of it a little bit more like surfing where it's about, it's okay to ride like a crest of busyness sometimes, but then know when you need to get off the wave and just kind of wade in mm -hmm. the water and know when you need to get completely out of the water and go sit on that beach for a bit. And so one way of kind of knowing that is when you start to see your stress interfering with your everyday mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. 
um, in my time as a, as a counselor, as a caregiver, um, I noticed some symptoms that I experienced that when I share my story, that a lot of people are like, oh, that's a thing that is a symptom of burnout or compassion fatigue. And I was like, yeah, like this is what happened to me is when, you know, I changed my behavior. Like Jamie said, where I once used to go out every Thursday night with, you know, girls night. And now I just want to stay home in my pajamas in a book, or I used to shut my light out and go to bed by 10, but now I'm scrolling and surfing till 11. So when you see that shift of behavior, um, and then something that, is kind of insipid. It, it kind of sneaks up on you is this feelings of resentment mm. or numbness that I can remember sitting in the parking lot, looking at my office, knowing that the people in there are relying on me, who, who need to, who are desperate for some support and help, but me sitting in the, the parking lot and just dreading going into the building. And that was a huge sign for me that I'm not my best. I'm not well. And at first I took it personally. I was like, I am disqualified. Mm. I'm no longer qualified to, to be in this role or be in this function. I don't deserve it. I'm, I'm not a good mom because I get frustrated with my kids when I get home from a long day. And now I don't even want to go to work. And so I am a bad person, but when I learned more about what compassion fatigue is and, and what burnout really is, I learned that trauma is sticky and that it's a burden that starts to weigh on you and impact your thoughts and impact your well-being and impact your emotional health. And that I didn't, it wasn't experiencing this because I was a bad person or as a disqualified caregiver or, you know, my role was no longer important, but I experienced this because I was such a giving caregiver, but I did not have opportunities to refuel. I just gave and gave and gave and gave. And so that for me was a huge sign, um, that I'm not in a great place. I'm not my best self and that my family deserves my best self. So I need to get help. And I did. Did, did you find it, was it challenging coming to that place to say, I need help? And I, cause I, I, I just can hear the pastor's stories like, I know I'm at this really rough place, but I, I feel like if my church knew I was in counseling or knew that I was seeing someone that there'd be this, you know, there's this weird tension. Do, do you, are you still finding that narrative within the church present or is that more of an old narrative? I think it's there. I think it's loosening its grip <laughs> a little, a little bit more. I think with COVID people recognize that, burnout, depression, anxiety, struggle isn't just for other people, that we all struggle. And I think the realization that we are all human and we're all not superheroes, that even in ministry, it's not just about taking up your cross and following him. That's not your cross to bear, that you are human first, you are a person first and a pastor second, that this it's becoming more normalized or more. However, no one wants to admit they need help. Not even me. And I'm not a pastor. No one wants to admit that they are struggling or they're, you know, can't do it on their own. Um, it's a really, really hard place to be in. Uh, but recognizing those signs before the crash and burn, um, is, is mm. life-saving.
sharing her experience. And, you know, I've also at different times have gone to personal counseling as well, because the work that we all do is challenging. And one of the things that I have found is that oftentimes in the same way, like how Laura shared, that when we mention this, like in a workshop or in a talk, oftentimes there'll be like a little line of people that come up afterwards. And it's like, it was so reassuring to know that you've gone um, and mm. maybe I should go as well, or that I've gone and I wish I had somebody to talk to to let them know that I've gone to counseling, right? You know, so sometimes being able to actually own that can model healthy behavior for your congregation. Now, at the same time, you know, it's not right. Like, you have to use your self-disclosures in ways that are appropriate, but um, it can also sometimes be really freeing for others to know that you yourself have gone to get help. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think uh, I, I, you're right in that. I think that that sense of any kind of stigma is lessening. You know, I, I do talk to a lot of pastors and uh, more and more are saying they're utilizing counseling for help. But I, you know, I just want to uh, say for anyone that's listening, uh, who is in some type of helping ministry, if you are feeling that sense of, of growing resentment towards what you're doing, if you're feeling that sense of stress, you know, there's, I, I keep thinking of it like this. What if I told you that there was a place outside of your office that you could go to like once a month or once every other week or as often as you want? And you could sit down and someone would be fully present to you and would listen to whatever you, you want to talk about. And they would do it without judgment. And they might have some, some helpful uh, insight to offer. But basically, it's about you talking about what's going on inside of you. Would, would you want to engage with that? You know, I think most people in ministry would go, man, to have someone listen to me. And instead of me having to fix all of their stuff and boy, that sounds great, you know, and I, I just keep thinking that the magic happens when uh, when we're present to each other, when we have that sense of someone really listening and hearing us. And I just don't know why uh, someone in ministry who's under significant stress wouldn't want to take advantage of that. There's not really a question there. Sorry about that. I just... <laughs> Great point, though. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Uh, you guys, Doug had mentioned the, the mental health church, the summit that you guys are putting together. Can you tell us something about that? So the Church Mental Health Summit happens every year on mm. October 10th, World Mental Health Day. It's free to be able to access that whole day. We want to make sure people have no barriers to getting information. It's really all about equipping ministry leaders so that they can support mental health in their leadership teams, in their congregants, and in their community. And we have over 50, I'm pretty sure there's over 60 mm. speakers now who are all passionate about um, mental health and faith and that intersection. And it's a phenomenal resource for your team. You can use it in many different ways with the all access pass, or you can just hop on with your team for the day and watch the sessions and learn together. And you know, one of the things that I'm most excited about are the tracks that Laura um, has implemented for the upcoming uh, summit. Laura, could you share a little bit about the different tracks? 
Yeah. Thanks. I always forget. I'm like, I talk about it so much. I lose track of what I've said and what I haven't. So the, there's four tracks. There's a lot of information to go through. It's kind of like Netflix where you'll log in and all of the sessions are available for you. Uh, but 60 is pretty hard to navigate. So we have four different tracks and, uh, the first track is cultural health or global health. And that really is looking at the specific needs of missionaries, cross-cultural workers, and identifying the nuances of different cultural experiences of mental health, whether the Latino church, the Black church, the Asian American experience, and um, the indigenous community. And then the second track is community health. And this is an area that we talk about general topics that anyone in your community could experience. Parenting, relationships, anxiety, uh, medications, uh, depression, all of those different areas. The third track is about church health. And this is uh, addressing some of the cultural or stigma or uh, ministry programs within your church. So think of anything that is within the four walls of your church. So small groups, programs, your youth program, um, talking about building a culture of care um, and all of those things. And then the final track is leadership health. And we have 20 speakers specifically speaking to clergy and ministry leaders about their well-being, uh, because that is an absolute key thing to building a healthy church. That sounds awesome. Where where can uh, people find out more information about that? Where where do they need to go? If you go to churchmentalhealthsummit.com, you'll be able to register for free and then you'll have the opportunity to buy an access pass, but you're able to get all of the information. There's uh, the difference between the access pass and the free is just um, how long you're able to um, engage. So it's not like there's any sessions blocked out. There's nothing hidden, um, but you, you can access all talks for free at churchmentalhealthsummit.com. So really the idea mm -hmm. is whether I have the all access pass and I appreciate your heart behind all of this is that we want people to have an opportunity to gauge the information, <laughs> right. but really in the, in the all access pass, the idea is like, man, if I'm a pastor and I have a staff or I, you know, or elders or people in youth ministry, I can have access to this and say, we're going to look at this and we're going to continue to use this as a resource for like years to come. Is that, is that accurate? There's a lot of different ways people can use the access pass. Anything from ministering to your staff, like using those leadership talks um, at a staff retreat or even in staff meeting. They're only 15, 20 minutes, just little micro TED talks. So it's a great little add on to a staff meeting to be able to support your team and have conversations about it. Uh, you can onboard your volunteers in the, in the church health or in the community health. We have talks about, um, we have one, three ways to create a safe environment for youth. Well, you can onboard your youth volunteer team by giving them, you know, having them watch these videos uh, to to prepare them for their ministry, you know, experience. Or even in um, community health, if you want to create a webinar or an outreach talking about anxiety, invite your neighborhood and show one of these talks to your community so that you can start building a safe and trusting relationship with your community. Really, we just want to equip the church to be able to support their leaders, their congregants, and their community and mental health. So absolutely, if you have any interest in using or viewing any of the talks ongoing, definitely you're going to want to get the access pass. Yeah, just to add on Go to what, well, just to add on to all the great things that Laura was talking about that you get when you register, there's not to sound like that we're selling like steak knives in the middle of the night, <laughs> but wait, there's more. Um, so 
you can, uh, when you register, we're also going to be sharing a number of different free resources with individuals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, like free ebooks and different free videos and lots of other resources too that you can use throughout the year. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of conversations about discipleship. There's a lot of conversations about youth ministry or small group resources, but there isn't a lot out there equipping or really focusing on how your church can engage in this conversation around mental health. And so the summit is really wanting to be a go-to resource that you know you can get, um, you know, best practice, high quality, um, up-to-date information of what is going on or what is available in in around the topic of faith and mental health. I think it's needed so much too, because I feel like that idea of mental health, and you've talked about, we've talked about this before, but it's just, it's shifted so much where, you know, 10, mm-hmm. 15 years ago, the stigmatism of mental health was, oh, it's that one weird person off in the corner of your, of your, you know, community. Yeah. And there's other issues that are happening. But now it's like, I think just realizing that maybe one of the greatest launch points of outreach and mission for the church in this season is to help see communities heal. And, you know, who better equipped with the good news of the gospel um, to, to, to have this extra tool in our tool belt to be able to kind of like walk out there with a little more sense of confidence and even just a sense of like, hey, we we don't know exactly what to do, but we have a good idea on how to do some things that we're, we're certain can be really helpful. And I just applaud that. I thank you for that. Um, I know for us, we've used spiritual first aid, uh, you know, it, as a pastor, I've used that tool for, you know, since I think Jamie told me about it like two or three years ago, and it's just been such this unique opportunity. Um, and yeah, I, I just think that what you guys do in that is so important for the church, especially as we're coming out of the pandemic. And it feels like the everything is heightened. You know, the anxiety is heightened. The depression is heightened. Um, the questions, even just, I feel like people are just looking for spaces where they can actually find help. Um, and my sense is that you guys are seeing that too all over the board. Um, yeah, any, any last thoughts that you guys would want to leave um, our listeners with in terms of the Church Mental Health Summit or even just an encouragement to pastors today? So for pastors listening, we want you to hear that for the summit, there's something there for you. You're going to be able to go find resources that are going to help you in your own ministry and help others, but also know that this is an opportunity to also lighten your load, get people from your church involved so that you're not the only one having to provide care. So that goes back to what Laura was talking about, this culture of care, that bring your champions to this, get others in pews to attend. There's something for everyone. Mm. Love that. And that you don't have to be doing this alone. That if you are thinking, if you're feeling overwhelmed or thinking, I don't have the answers to all the questions, you're not alone. There are many, many people out there that are feeling the same way. And so come together as a community, connect with other ministry leaders. We're going to have opportunities to um, collaborate in live sessions as well as watch some of these pre recorded videos. But you're not alone and that there is um, resources. There are tools out there to help you navigate this, this season. That's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for that guys. And I think too, just bringing that to us. Yeah. And, and just to let everyone know, like Monday morning pastor, we're sponsoring uh, this. We feel like it's such an important event for us to be 
be invested in um, because this is this hits us exactly where we are a in Monday morning and b in the Monday morning of everybody else that shows up at your church. Um, yeah. So lastly, <laughs> we would love to just really quick throw in a fast lightning round. Just we're going to ask some questions. You don't have a ton of time to think, uh, and we'll we'll start with you know with each question. Laura, I want to hear your answer. Jamie, your answer. Um, and so first question, are you, I hope you're ready. Okay. I suddenly okay. got nervous. All right. Here Coffee. we go. You should, you should totally Coffee or tea? Tea. Coffee. <laughs> uh-huh. That's we both held up our respective cups to that answer. Uh-huh. That. Okay. All right. Next one. Good, 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 good. Bigfoot real or imagined? Uh, I'm going to go with imagined. Oh. It's a, it's real. It's a Ford. Okay. Uh, monster truck from the 80s <laughs> i've seen it i spotted it in the live oh, man. oh you're so true <laughs> oh man well now that laura's gonna have to rethink everything but before she does next question amazing grace or great is thy faithfulness oh great is thy faithfulness amazing grace good call oh, wow beetles stones stones I don't know that that's a question anybody should ask. Um, I I think that's morally no, wrong. Listen, this is to make a... me choose. Um, but that's I'm a therapist stones. answer. That's a therapist answer for you right there. <laughs> All right, Let, last last one. What is the thing that you see out there? The trend that's happening. The thing that everybody's doing that you think that ought to be in the DSM. That is so wrong and weird that that should, we need to clar- classify that as mental illness. What do you think? I don't think I could answer that. Really? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I Not- cannot identify someone's behavior or situation as weird and glitchy. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just, I can't do it. Ethically in me. <laughs> that's so Bob, Laura, <laughs> Laura See, but, is a better... But- yeah, There's a better see, mental health professional than me because as a Cubs fan, one. I would say Cardinal wow. fans, um, there you, you know, go. so rooting for St. Louis Cardinal <laughs> fans, um, that would put you in the DSM in my book. Yeah, oh, there, there you, you go. go. <laughs> That's it. The That's Canadian it. in me was just like, oh, people are not, can't do that. Polite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't see Blue Jay fans, so that would have really gotten me in trouble. Uh, oh, dude. Good stuff. Good in stuff. Trouble. Good stuff. Well, thank All you right. guys so much. Oh, my pleasure. It's been a wonderful, it's been a lot of yeah. fun, actually. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks again for having us. <laughs>